This episode of What the Fintech is sponsored by VTB Bank. Hello and welcome to What the Fintech, the podcast from the team behind Fintech Futures and the banking technology magazine. My name is Alex Hamilton. I'm Deputy Editor at Fintech Futures and joining me for this episode of the podcast is Elena Barabanova, Managing Director at the Settlement Centre for Russia's VTB Bank. Uh, Welcome to the show, Elena. Thank you, Alex. Hello, everyone. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having me. It's, uh, it's great to have you on. This week, for everyone listening, we're talking all about clearing, settlement, and uh, ISO 20022. Is it ISO fast and ISO furious, or is there still some catching up to do? We'll chat about it later in the show. But first, as always, is our news and numbers segment. This is where we've gone out and found some news stories with interesting numbers in them to chat about. It's traditional that our guest goes first. So, uh, Elena, what story has caught your eye recently that you'd like to talk about? Thank you for, for this question. My attention recently was caught by a number 60. And to be precise, 60 seconds. It's the speed of transactions promised by the Bank for International Settlements and the Monetary Authority of Singapore for their new cross-border payment service, which is called Nexus. Nexus Blueprint was developed through consultation with multiple central banks and financial institutions across the globe. So here are some of Nexus Blueprint suggestions how to achieve the goal of 60 seconds. It's to use the existing local online payment systems, which means that for individual customer, making an international transaction will not be too different from a domestic transaction using the same mobile app, similar interface, etc. And another one is proactive elimination of most common sources of transaction costs and delays. So faster cross-border payments is, in fact, a global trend. And PwC in its survey, Payments 2025 and Beyond, mentioned that, and they quote, 42% of respondents said they felt strongly that there would be an acceleration of cross-border, cross-currency, instant payments and B2B payments in the next five years. And a recent pilot by Faster Payment Service, owned and operated by British Retail Payments Authority, Pay.UK, saw the fastest payment ever sent from Australia to a beneficiary in the UK. So confirmation of credit and funds were available in just 30 seconds. It's amazing. So 60 seconds claimed by BIS and MIS ambitious, but not unrealistic. So if all participants comply with their SLA and KPI, I think that this speed is achievable. What do you think? Yeah, excellent. I mean, I think that uh, it's one of those things where I feel like that there's always the case when it comes to payments that people want, you know, they want security, reliability and speed is the most important thing. Uh, and I think if we're looking at the fastest speed being 30 seconds, aiming for an average time of 60 is certainly a lofty goal, but definitely one that's achievable and definitely one that's uh, a lot more uh, efficient and a lot more effective than batch transactions happening over three or four days or having to pause because there's a weekend in the middle, you know? Right. 
So, of course, there should be direct connectivity between domestic faster payment systems and obviously there will be need for a common set of technical standards, operational guidelines, and most importantly, jurisdiction differences must be overcome. But I think, yes, quite quite feasible. Excellent. It's definitely one to uh, to watch for the future. Thanks for pointing that, that figure out. Whereas my story is still sort of semi-related to cross-border payments, but it, it's uh, the number we're talk- I'm talking about for this episode is 910 million. And that's the number in dollars uh, that Western Union is receiving after shedding its business solutions unit. Uh, investment firms Goldfinch and Valpost are set to acquire it for that amount in cash. The business solutions uh, division of Western Union represents only about 7% of its business. Uh, it was formed following the acquisitions of Customs House in 2009 and Travelex Global Business Payments in 2011. Its main focus is cross-border, cross-currency payments and foreign exchange solutions for small and medium-sized businesses and other organisations. And I apologise to him if I've pronounced his name wrong. President and CEO of Western Union said that with the divestiture, the company will now fully focus on maximising the strength of its global cross-border payments platform and financial network. He said that he's confident the business solutions team has found a solid strategic and financial partner in Goldfinch and Balpost. The transaction is expected to close in two stages. The first, completed in early 2022, will comprise of Western Union Business Solutions, excluding the business that is operated through Western Union International Bank in the EU and the UK. The transfer of the latter is planned to be completed by the end of 2022. It's an interesting story, one for Western Union that is uh, focusing uh, less on its small and medium business uh, customers and more on uh, probably individual retail customers. And a, a big number for a small slice of the pie as firms across the industry when it comes to, to cross-border payments consolidate and look for ways to further improve their streamlined services. Here we are in part two of the podcast. This is our more interview-styled section where we focus the discussion into a specific industry topic or sector. We're going to talk about our main topic, ISO 20022, in just a moment. But first, I'm going to give Elena a minute or two just to give us the rundown on VTB and a little bit more about her role at the bank. So take it away, Elena. I'm Elena Barabanova. I'm Managing Director at the Settlement Center of VTB, and I've been with VTB for more than 30 years. I represent Russia in uh, three advisory groups at SWIFT, uh, PMPG, CBPR Plus, and PMWG. And I think VTB Bank doesn't need uh, additional presentation. It's the second largest bank in Russia, so here we are. Absolutely. So to, to jump into our topic, well, first off, we should be mentioning the VTB won our Paytech Award for Best Green Initiative with its paper-free office project. Uh, and we know that the ESG is obviously becoming an important part of the agenda in the in the financial services industry. But uh, And as people listening might be able to guess, we're going to be focusing on another uh, hot topic in the banking world. So, Elena, you're the, the expert here. So, and I... I've written re- recently about ISO 2022 and the adoption of it around the world, but perhaps you could give an introduction to those who are listening who perhaps aren't so au fait with ISO 2022 and where it is right now. 
yes, and give our listeners an introduction to, to ISO 20022 mm-hmm. uh, and its progress. Thank you. Mentioning Paytech Award, yes, indeed, ESG is becoming an important part of the agenda in the industry, and you can find out more about Green Initiative Project in the soon coming article by Elena Mazura, the head of Settlement Center at VTB. And as you mentioned, another hot topic in the banking world is migration to ISO 20022. ISO 20022, first introduced in 2004, is a multi-part international standard prepared by ISO committee, TC68 Technical Service. So it describes a common platform for the development of messages. It creates a common language, a model for payments data across the globe. And ISO 20022, to to migration is now a question of when rather than if. As you're well aware, due to COVID-19, SWIFT moved the starting date uh, of migration to November 2022. Originally, it was scheduled to November 2021, but the end date remains unchanged, November 2025. So everyone should be getting ready. Yes, exactly. It's definitely becoming a question of, of when, not if. And although there is an extra year to go, people should, you would hope, be some way when it comes to migrating to the new standard. So, Elena, from what you've seen in the market, what do you think of the, the different approaches that both institutions and regulators are taking when it comes to the implementation of ISO 20022? Uh, if we're talking about phase versus Big Bang here, well, the majority of ISO 2022 implementations in the past have been phased in some way or another. And phasing can take several forms. For example, in some cases, all participants go live together, but only for a subset of transaction types. So in consequent phases, there will be addition of new transaction types. Or alternatively, phasing can be done by batches or waves of new participants until the whole community is migrated. So in this approach, the central MI needs to provide two migration services. Translation between legacy format and ISO 2022 and a repository in which legacy institutions can look up data lost in the transformation from rich ISO 2022 data to legacy. Another yet approach in phasing is to require all banks to be able to receive ISO 2022 but implement sending in phases. And Apparently, phase implementations aim to reduce risk, but if they take too long, they can create risk of their own. And alternative Big Bang approach has more operational risk because it requires MI and all participants to be ready on the same day. However, this approach has certain advantages for MI itself, and as it does require to provide costly tools for coexisting periods, such as central translation or storage for data. And for example, as you know, Target 2 is expected to implement ISO 2022 in November 2022 and in a Big Bang approach. So from the point of view of standards, it may look like that the easiest and fastest way to implement ISO 2022 
2022 is a like-for-like approach. Existing business functionality is replicated, but not enhanced. But in my opinion, it's not the best way because in this case, we cannot just enjoy all the benefits of ISO 20 or 22, such as more structured and granular data, more richer data. So uh, typically, like-for-like is seen as intermediate step to full ISO implementation, and consequently, it will require a second migration. So moving to full ISO 20 or 22 offers the opportunity to reduce the use of unstructured and free-form data, which is always a nightmare in payments processing. Yes, you mentioned there that one nightmare, and we've you, at the start you also talked about how COVID nineteen has affected the the implementation data of ISO twenty o two two. Yeah, right. And of course, there are countries across the world that are that have their own legacy payment systems which may in some cases i've read about you know truncate data being sent between compatibility and having compatibility issues but you know what what are some other challenges out there for for those trying to get ready uh, for iso 2022 by by the deadline and, and be ready to go from day one first challenge it's complexity of standard and the standard itself makes quite a long read and it has more complex and larger messages which will require clearly more bandwidth and more processing capacity. ISO 20.022 involves the processing of much larger data volumes in comparison with legacy formats. The dramatic extension of data means that infrastructures will need to be redefined to manage the additional ISO 20 or 22 information. While this tends not to be a problem for new systems, some legacy systems that migrate from a proprietary standard to ISO 20 or 22 may not be able to handle the large messages sent in the ISO 20 or 22 format. And it is critical to ensure data flows efficiently for intraday liquidity management, for fraud prevention, compliance checks, you name it. And another challenge, I would say, it's lack of experts. Of course, not so critical as before, now that everyone is attending seminars, workshops, immersing into the depth of ISO 2022. But still, if we compare knowledge of ISO 2022 with overall knowledge of, for example, FinMT, there's still a gap. I mean, everybody knows what MT103 single customer credit transfer looks like, and nothing very complicated here. Uh, coexistence period may also present a challenge, as you mentioned, truncation uh, issues, etc. Talking about challenges, let us not forget about benefits it will bring, such as faster settlement of payments due to increased STP, reduction in error and potential investigations because of structured and better quality data. In one paper, I've come across the definition of the standard, which I liked a lot. It was called future-proof, as it can adapt to new technologies as they emerge. And... Of course, at last, we can talk about global interoperability, which, if we look back at part one of your show, I think is very important. 
Absolutely. And uh, it's like you said, it's very important that, that we talk about the benefits, not just the problems. And on that note, being a one of the largest banks in Russia, dealing with clearing and settlement on a daily basis, um, what are some examples from Russia when it comes to the implementation of ISO 2022 you might be able to share with us? In fact, yes, I do. I do have an example. It's a faster payment system, which is based on ISO 2022 messaging. It was jointly developed by Bank of Russia and the National Payment Card System. It's a payment system which functions in the mode of 24 hours, 7 days, 365 days a year, where you can make payments in real time. And for C2C payments, it is sufficient just to fill in mobile phone number. And this faster payment system was launched in January 2019. In 2020, quantity of participant banks multiplied by five and quantity and volume of payments by seven in comparison with 2019. Fantastic. So uh, great for both, yeah, like you said, C2C and, and B2B there. ISO 2022 is a, is a topic that can be complex to some people who perhaps aren't too okay with the, the payment sector. I know that when I when I started out as a journalist, having to write about it uh, certainly confused me. And even when writing large-scale reports on it, I've had to go back and do my research. So for those listening who are thinking, um, this, this all sounds really interesting, I'd like to, to know more about ISO 2022. Is there any reading or, or materials out there that they could get their hands on to learn a little bit more? Oh, thank you for these questions. Maybe you have heard uh, of PMPG. I mentioned it in the beginning of our show. It's Payments mm. Market Practice Group. It's an advisory group at SWIFT, and it provides a truly global forum to drive better market practices, which together with correct use of standards will help in achieving full STP and improved customer service. So there are several papers published by PMPG, which are devoted to ISO 2022 migration and structured data. So I'd like to mention some papers such as ISO 2022 Financial Institution Migration Strategy, MI Migration Strategy, Interbank uh, Charges and Claims Handling in ISO 2022, and ISO 2022 Structured Postal Address. So in ISO 2022 FI Migration Strategy, PMPG provides financial institutions with advice and considerations for managing their migration to ISO 2022 format across the SWIFT infrastructure, both from a technical perspective as well as the associated business processes. And of course, I cannot miss this opportunity to mention another advisory group, uh, CBPR Plus, CBPR Plus guidelines. They're not exactly for reading, but for study and implementation. And I would like to thank my colleagues of PMPG and CBPR Plus uh, for all their hard work they're doing. Thank you, guys. Here we are in part three for everyone's favorite section, the fintech jail. This is where we ask for an industry term, a buzzword, a trend or a topic that our guest has seen or heard enough of on the conference circuit or the webinar 
uh, circuits, whichever they're watching regularly. I will then decide whether it deserves a place in our fintech jail or if it's already in there, whether it deserves an extended sentence, uh, no matter how close it might be to freedom. Uh, So, Elena, what buzzword or topic do you wish to be locked away in our fintech jail this week? Off the top of my head, I would have suggested disruption, but I've been listening to your podcast and I know that it has already been sent to your jail twice and the last time for life (laughs) sentence. So my second idea was to rescue some work from jail, but then I realized that they all deserve to be there. So no injustice done. So my another idea was user-friendly, surprised, Yes, I guess you're surprised. So let me make myself clear. What's the dictionary defines user-friendly as easy to learn, use, understand, or deal with? And the first known use of user-friendly was, can you imagine it, in 1972. So it had a good run. But I think (laughs) it has been frequently overused. User-friendly interfaces applications, websites, you name it, all sorts of products. And people trying to promote them by saying, look how user-friendly they are. Are you serious? User-friendly is a must-have in such things. It's like a built-in feature of any product, not even worth mentioning. It's redundant, really, to mention it. And in fact, if we look at what user-friendly is. It's quite a moving target. What is user-friendly for one generation may not seem at all user-friendly for another one. What do you think, Alex? Yeah, I, I'm no, I, when you first said it, I, I was unsure, but I, I get exactly where you're coming from. We have a few submissions uh, this season for words which should be, you know, built in for everything and should, should be the default. Yeah. And so uh, what I would ask before I, I pass judgment is, is Elena, how, how often, because obviously this, this is bugging you, how often do you see it from, from you know, new and upcoming apps or, or firms making user-friendly one of their, their major USPs when it should be the, the normal? I think that in every product advertisement or promotion, I see it user-friendly, user-friendly, user-friendly. Okay, well, I think you've made, you've made it a good case for us to uh, to put user-friendly in the jail. Uh, maybe someone later on will want to come along and argue it out. But I think, you know, along the lines of things that should be the default, but people are trying to use them as a, a unique selling point, I think perhaps it deserves to go in there for at least a couple of years. Let's put it in there for... Uh, let's say let's do the, the the Bill Gates quote and let's go for five years and we'll have a look again in five years to see if it needs to be removed or if people are still saying that their their apps are user friendly when there's no need for them to be. Okay, makes sense. Uh, Thank you. Well, that's all we have time for for this episode of What the FinTech. Thanks to Elena for joining me and providing such great insight into ISO twenty oh two two. Before we sign off, though, Elena, do you have any um, any socials or websites you'd like to speak about? Of course, I would like everyone to invite to visit VTB Bank site, so www.vtb.ru or .com. And of course, I would like you to visit KMPG page on Swift site and Super Plus as well. So get ready to ISO 2022. Enjoy the journey. As it, it is complicated, but it's very interesting and exciting and challenging and 
that's exactly what makes life well interesting brilliant exactly and and for those listening uh you can find me on twitter at at ad hamilton 91 and on linkedin by searching my name as for fintech futures you can find us online at www.fintechfutures.com on twitter at, at fintech futures and on linkedin just by searching fintech futures and looking for our logo with the two f's If you like this podcast or any of our other episodes, then please feel free to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or your favorite podcasting service of choice. We also really appreciate it if you can help other listeners find the podcast by writing a review or recommending us to a friend. And as always, thank you very much for any and all of your support. Uh, We will see you soon for another episode of What the Fintech. But until then, goodbye.